Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to The Less Stressed Life, all about making this your time to feel freaking awesome about your life, health, and happiness. This podcast of The Less Stressed Life is hosted by Krista Bigler. Krista is an integrative registered dietitian nutritionist who specializes in reducing food-related stress, inflammation, and symptoms of food sensitivities. To learn more, visit lessstresslife.com. Today, I'm really delighted to have one of my genius friends on the podcast today. Robin Johnson is a registered dietitian. She's really, she's not bragging herself up as much as she should in this bio, by the way. Her passion of using food and lifestyle as medicine found her after a personal battle in triumph with psoriasis. So we're kind of like skin dietitian friends. (laughs) She specializes in integrative and functional dietetics and also uses genetic information to help build a client's plan. Robin partners with clients to teach them not only what their bodies need, but why it matters specifically to them and how to merge it with their reality of daily life. Robin is my go-to person for genetics. She's who I uh, learned from. So welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you so much. That was quite the intro and totally skin friends. I like that. <laughs> yeah, no joke. So Robin is, um, for me, looking at genetic information is kind of like looking at calculus. One of my clients emailed me the other day and said, do I have that gene for Alzheimer's? And I, my head went buried in my hands because it's not so black and white. And you're going to learn a little bit more about why it's not just so black and white, even when the media kind of portrays it as like, hey, you got this or you don't have this. And what's more important is it's cool because you can hack it. And Robin's going to share all about that. But first, it's a little complex. So Robin's going to give us the kindergarten perspective of what is genetics and nutrigenomics and epigenetics and these things. Yeah, so I want to start by explaining like DNA. I mean, we're all born with a set of DNA that we get from our parents, and that will not change. You can you can get that tested, but you'll never retest because it is permanent. So nutrigenomics is really just how our food and what we eat interacts with those genes. And then based on how we eat, we can turn off or turn on or change how those genes express or act. And then epigenetics is looking at how the environment, like our air, our water, our sleep, our stress, all of that impacts genetic expression. 
You did a great job summarizing that. That was amazing. It's a complicated process to summarize, but I really think the more that you just learn the basics, it doesn't have to be as complicated and you don't have to go gene by gene and get super overwhelmed with it. Yeah. Okay. So at the basis, the takeaways from there are your genetics are permanent. You always have them. But guess what? Whatever you eat can turn them on or off so you can influence your destiny pretty much a little bit. Yeah. In a way, I like to describe it as let's picture you're driving down the highway with a ton of traffic and you come upon a traffic light. So you could hit a red, yellow, or green, right? Yeah. And your genetics are these traffic lights. So you could have a red traffic light, meaning it's difficult for your body to process certain pathways or for that traffic to go through. Or you could have a green or a yellow. But what's awesome about what we're figuring out is that based on how you choose to live, how you choose to eat, sleep, stress, all of these things, you can make that red stoplight act like a green. And that's how we get into disease prevention. I love it. Make your red stoplight act like a green. Very cool. Great. So tell us how you got into all this, Robin. So I took a internship in integrative and functional medicine. And in that course, I had one class called nutrigenomics. And right away, I was fascinated with it because I was learning about genes that impact psoriasis. And I, prior to that, I had struggled for two years with psoriasis. So I was really interested in this. And I started looking at my own genetic data and saw that I lit up all over the place for having risk for psoriasis. However, because I changed my diet, because I changed the way that I exercised, I changed that gene express expression and therefore no longer have psoriasis. And so that's kind of what got me started. And then, as you know, once you get into this, it is like an addiction. You just want to keep learning because it's so fascinating. I'm more addicted to the outcomes like you just described, uh, like the mm -hmm. success stories. And so I'm taking a class with Robin where she and some other genius, genetic geniuses are teaching us. And my favorite part of the whole class is just the case studies about, you know, um, like a fertility couple doing well. And I mean, mm -hmm. before I get into that, though, I think what's important to talk about is where does this all fit into priority of hacking your health? Do you start with genetics? You know, it's another tool in the toolbox. So it's not necessarily something I start with with everyone or that is necessary even. But just like it's important to get labs done and know what your fasting insulin is and your inflammation is, it is also a tool to know what your genetics are. Because I tell people all the time, genetics are your tendency, but they're not your destiny. So if you know, based on your genetic data, what your tendency is, you just have more information to use and make decisions on what you're going to eat, what supplements you're going to take, how many vacations you're going to take. You have more information to make those decisions. So it's just another tool. I think it's great for what we talk about here is up-leveling, right? So if you have a great foundation, this will take you to the next level, perhaps. Absolutely. And, you know, if someone comes in with eating a standard American diet and smoking or drinking a lot, I'm not going to jump right to genetics because there's a foundation that needs to be set first. So regardless of someone's genetic results, we still need to have a solid foundation of real food, be sleeping good, be moving, be breathing right. Those things are still foundational regardless of what your genetics say. Yeah, for sure. And 
It is a lot of information. I feel like actually, mm-hmm. so I had Robin review mine with me about a year ago and I regularly pull out my chart to re-review them because at first it's just a lot of information. So I think there's probably a few ways you can go about using your genetic data. And I'm curious what Robin's opinions are here because there are some tests, uh, there's like a particular hormone test and they'll pull out just a few genes that are important to those hormone pathways. So I kind of wonder now that I've learned her approach, if she's a fan of just biting off what you can chew at that time. Is it important to just check a few things at a time as related or get into a few things at a time? And one way we could talk about this is there's a lot of hype about MTHFR, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe Mm -hmm. Robin can tell us about the hype behind MTHFR as part of the answer to that question. Yeah, and MTHFR gets a lot of attention. It's referred to as the mother effigene a lot of times. but And there's a lot of research on it in the beginning, and I think that that's why it got so much attention. It was an original big game player. And it is important, but it's one of thousands of genes. So think of this like a symphony, and MTHFR is just the clarinets. If we focus just on the clarinets, it's not going to it's not going to work or sound the same. And with that's like our genetics. If we focus just on MTHFR, we're really missing a lot of the picture on how our body works. But that's not to say it's not something to look at because it's definitely one that we want to pay attention to, but it's just one of many. So I don't like the thought of just testing one at a time. I think that we need to get the bulk and look at things from a bigger lens but I also know that it's overwhelming to start. So if someone just needs to start with one to understand the whole process, then that's a starting place with the intention of looking more later on. Impressive. Okay. So let's talk about different testing companies and the done for you reports a little bit. Um, I know that's not the approach you take, but you know, honestly, for someone, it's, it's fine to talk about genetics, but how does someone start? Yeah, that those reports are kind of difficult for me because they just can't capture everything. And when it comes to genetics, like I said, you can turn a green or a red into a green and that can change day by day based on, you know, you had a tough day at work or when you're on vacation and stuff like that. So the reports that are essentially algorithms where you plug in your raw data from a genetic report and it will populate what usually it's populating supplements to be honest and it's a list of like 20 supplements that you need to take based on your genetics and the problem with that is that algorithm is just looking at your dna results it's not looking at how stressed you are how good your sleep is what your diet's like and when we talk about epigenetics all of those things impact how the genes are working so I am not a big fan of those reports, but it'll be interesting to watch how they change because right now, none of the reports, not many anyways, that I've seen will populate and say, you need to sleep more or you need to take more vacations. It's usually a list of something to buy, and that's just not the whole picture. Yeah, this will be fun to have an ongoing conversation about. I spent several hours one week kind of compiling different genetic testing services because I was just curious, you know, what the different options were for looking at things because I need to present those to clients, right? And and as you know, at first it can be a little overwhelming to learn all of that. So I looked at different reporting companies and you're right, there are 
like there's the ones that you're talking about made by supplement companies for sure, where mm -hmm. you upload your data and it does spit out supplement recommendations. And then there's other ones. I just got one back at a 60 page report and it was kind of overwhelming in a different way. But again, it was just that very, um, it's a very algorithm based thing. And so having another person that can help you navigate it. And I don't, I mean, it's kind of interesting, right? Because everyone's got, has a different comfort level with genetics. And I've heard some negative things happen by, um, just stories about doctors that have treated solely on genetics versus yes. something else. Right. And so that's kind of a yes. disadvantage that can happen because everyone thinks that a test is going to tell them the answers just black and white. But like you said, this is just, it's a picture of what's going on underneath and you have to really still pay attention to what's going on right now. Yeah. And I've actually had a number of clients that have had MTHFR tested with somehow with a physician or, or however they did it. And immediately they start taking high doses of folate. And because they don't know how their genes are actually working, they're just looking at a test. They quickly overmethylate themselves. And that can be just as bad as undermethylating with symptoms. So they're having heart palpitations. They're really anxious. They can't sleep. And it's just because they dosed themselves based on a test instead of looking at the big picture. And that's happening a lot because there's a sole focus on one gene at a time and we're plugging it with supplements versus kind of backing up and looking at, can this be done with diet? Is it even necessary to take a supplement or what else is going on? Exactly. That's the same story I'm hearing is that people are ending up with hyperfolate, like you said, overmethylating and then having these negative side effects. And that's what you, that I'll hear, I have had people and the clients in passing talk about, well, I have MTHFR, so will this, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't even really know how you know that or where you're coming up with that. I mean, but there's more to the, just like anything, there's more to the big picture. And there's pros and cons to it because it's bringing awareness to genetics, which is awesome. But at the same time, they a lot of people will come in with feeling like there's a death sentence on them because they have MTHFR. And it's like, you know, they enter with, I have MTHFR. And you're like, that's cool. So do I like, it's fine. We'll work around it. And you just, you got to teach them that it's not, it's not your destiny. It's one piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And by the way, isn't it super common? Because I thought it was around 30% of the population have some, um, what would you call it? You call it misspellings, right? Um, but they're yeah. like, in, I call it like missing chains in the link or insufficient, like genetic insufficiencies a little bit. How do you describe that? I mean, technically, scientifically, it's called a single nucleotide polymorphism. I call it a misspelling a lot. Another way I'll describe it to some people who are visual learners is let's picture you have a, want a beautiful white pearl necklace and you want all of those pearls to be white. Well, it's some of those pearls are black or hot pink. So they're not quite what we want, but our body can learn to work around it. So it's just, yeah, there's different terminology, but um, technically it's called a SNP. Yeah, I love when you use analogies because they're my favorite. Yeah. You got to simplify these things. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so yeah, so MTHFR is pretty common. It's not a death sentence by any means. It's an advantage because it's bringing awareness to genetics, but it's one little piece of the whole big picture. Do you want to talk about any of the other key um, genes that are out there and kind of how they affect people? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many, but I can mention a few that are, have a bigger impact, I would say. Actually, one that's pretty popular with my clients is called SUOX, so it's S-U-O-X, and it's involved in breaking down sulfites, 
which are in wine. So this was a fun hack I had with myself. And, uh, you know, I'm always experimenting, but I used to get headaches after wine and I couldn't sleep. And that could be a histamine thing, but I decided to experiment. And Suox needs a nutrient called molybdenum to function properly. And all of these enzymes and these genes need nutrients and certain vitamins and minerals to actually work properly. They're called cofactors. So Suox needs molybdenum. And so when I drink wine now, I take molybdenum before to help myself break down those sulfites and I no longer get headaches and I sleep just fine. So many of my clients have been pretty happy with that hack. Yeah, I bet. No joke. You can drink your wine again. So Suox, MTHFR, and what are some other fun ones that have come along? Another one that I find really helps clients is COMT. And that is one that helps us process stress hormones and catecholamines. And so I've seen this with people with anxiety. And I specifically have a client that I can think of. He was in his late 30s, um, had major, major anxiety and psoriasis. And we know that one of the triggers for psoriasis is stress. In fact, the election triggered a flare for psoriasis. So he really struggled with processing stress. And when we looked at his genetics, he had, well, I'll just say he had stoplights. He had the red stoplights for COMT. He had a lot of genetic SNPs there. And when I was explaining how this works chemically and why that makes it difficult for him to process stress and why he's more likely to experience anxiety, he said, I feel like I finally understand myself, which is such a powerful statement for people to just understand and and be able to feel like they have tools to control it a little bit better. And, you know, there's so much involved with the food, with understanding your triggers and all of that. But it was a pretty cool case study. That's that's the biggest reward when someone says, I feel empowered now. This isn't mm-hmm. some black and white thing like, can I do this? Can I not do this? It's you now have the knowledge and understanding and power that you feel like you're in the driver's seat. And it gives them confidence. Like It's like a roadmap of your health. And now you have tools to make better decisions. And yeah, it definitely helps with compliance as well because I mean, with genetics, that can't change. And so if you're telling a client, look, you need to eat two cups of spinach or dark leafy greens for this reason, they can see it. And I get out my nerdy charts and maps and stuff. And I show them where that's happening in their body. And it just takes it up a level for them because they realize how that how important that is. And that's not going to change. Yeah, actually, that was a similar light bulb I had. So one compliance, right? When you see it on paper, and this is your destiny, it's like, oh, I am one of the people who needs even more leafy greens. But, mm-hmm. but when you went over my genetics with me, a fog cleared for me because I was a little distraught. It had taken me a very long time to try to overcome my skin issues, and I was doing all the right things. I thought I was doing all the right things, right? I was doing, I was working really hard on it, like extremely hard to the point of it was really kind of interfering with your life, which people can resonate with when they've got a serious thing going on or it's really annoying them. And you showed me through my genetic report that I had really slow detoxification abilities, right? Mm-hmm. So that was really, I, I kind of tell people, like, my liver is like stupid, sort of. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, I had a lot of red stoplight stuff going on to where I wasn't able to clear things like some other people can. And if you kind of wonder why, why does this person get cancer and this person doesn't, or, you know, doesn't have to even be that strong of a, of a thing, but I've got... Mm-hmm 
mm-hmm. families where one kid has eczema and one kid doesn't, you know, it's possibly some of that a little bit. I mean, there's many, 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 many other things, external, environmental, whatever. But, uh, you know, it's just part of that puzzle. Maybe this person doesn't clear things quite the same. Right. And that's why it can be challenging to hear people say, there's no reason to detox. Our liver is super powerful. Well, not everyone's. And there's a lot to factor in there. You know, how how are their genetics at detoxifying? What are they doing for their toxin intake? How is their food? Are they supporting those genes? So it's not so simple. Yeah, no doubt. That was actually a huge reason why I decided to get an infrared sauna because I knew that my detoxification was kind of crappy. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. So are there any other SNPs that you want to tell us about? Or in specific, I feel like we talked about anxiety um, with several of these, right? And um, that's always kind of a curiosity to me, how anxiety plays in genetically, because I see it. So I'll tell you why. This is a personal interest of mine um, that I'm trying to learn more and more about. Here's why. Because they work with gut health issues. And so Mm -hmm. as a side effect of working with gut health issues, a lot of times anxiety comes along because that vagus nerve innervates the gut, right? And it's like this telephone line to your brain, the gut-brain connection, um, for those that aren't familiar with the gut-brain connection. And so I'm always kind of curious about, well, one, there's many things that are playing a role there, but it's, it's a bit, it can be a bit elusive sometimes. And so I'm just curious, some of those factors um, genetically that kind of play in there. Yeah. And that's, that's the complicated part is they work synergistically. So all of these pathways or all these genes impact one another. So while someone might not have that COMT SNP that I was talking about that I see a lot with a lot of anxiety, they might be slowing it down because another gene is slow, like MTHFR. And so and as you've seen in the in the course that we teach, there's this whole web of pathways that really need to be working together and in the right order to provide optimal health. And so it's still important to just look at the big picture. There, we can't really target genes and say that that's the reason for anxiety. That's the reason for anxiety. We just have to look what pathways or how is your biochemistry working as a whole? Mm-hmm. Yep, you bet. Uh, let's see. So we've talked about how you started Nutrigenomics and you've explained it to us from a kindergarten perspective with the beautiful set of pearls with the stoplights. <laughs> we talked about how there's disadvantages to done for you genetic reports as in they're, they're just an algorithm. Um, but there's advantages because they bring awareness to things and depending on the type of report, um, and they still can be very useful, right? We also mm-hmm. talked about how you really have to have a good foundation of health. Um, and then this allows you to kind of up level or hack uh, and change things a little bit more. Can you give us any more examples about how genetics have helped uh, fill in any more missing pieces in your life or in clients' lives? Yeah, I mean, with my life, it was helpful with the psoriasis story of just understanding what my risks are there, but then also understanding what could be in my future. You know, I now know I have some risk for Alzheimer's disease and I have some risk for breast cancers. So based on that, I will spend money on an infrared sauna or I will spend money on certain supplements because I know what I'm trying to prevent. Some of my favorite case studies are the fertility ones. Of course, you just love giving, helping give someone a little baby, but I have had many women struggling with miscarriages and infertility and then looking at their genetics, seeing how they're methylating and seeing PEMT is really a big one for women and fertility um, because it is involved with choline, which is super important for many many reasons. And side note that 90% of pregnant women are in choline. So it's 
it's a super, super important for everyone, but specifically for pregnant women. And some people, myself included, don't, it doesn't work very well. They have that red stoplight. So that's a big one that I've really targeted looking at for, uh, for clients and end up having to help support them supplementally a lot. Yeah, just because you cut out there a second, I'm just going to repeat. So PEMT is so important for women in fertility and up to, I think you said 90% of people are deficient in choline, yep. right? Yeah, 90% of pregnant women. Okay, great. And it's not easy to get via diet because choline is found where, Robin? Choline is found in liver and soft egg yolks, so like over easy eggs, which it actually takes about six runny egg yolks to get an ad- ideal amount or an adequate amount. And I don't think most people are doing either of those. Yeah, no doubt, for sure, for sure. Excellent. Okay. Uh, what else, uh, what other things or keys or tips do you, what other takeaways do you want someone to know today about genetics? My last thing is I get a question, I get questions from people wondering, is there, am I going to find out stuff I don't want to know? You know, they have a fear of learning if they have a risk for Alzheimer's. And I always tell them, again, this is giving you information about your tendency, but how amazing that you are going to have information to change that. And so I encourage finding out the APOE4 or the Alzheimer's risks. And then we have tools to support yourself. So I I definitely want people to just not fear the information because it's really just a powerful tool that they'll have in their hands. I love that. Love, love, love that. Okay. So we kind of touched on this a little bit before, but how does someone get started if they're like, I'm really curious about this and I want to, I want to, I want to learn more. Step one would be you need to get the genetic information. And I generally recommend 23andMe or Ancestry.com. And you really just need the raw data. So you don't need to get the health reports or anything like that. Because once you have the raw data, which generally takes about six to eight weeks to get back, then you'll use that to import into various platforms. And that's when you either want to be very patient and start processing it yourself or work with someone that is trained to help you interpret and implement the results. And as someone who is learning this and has uh, asked Robin, hey, could you teach me genetics real quick? And she put her head in her hands and said, "Um, it's not like that. Go ahead and uh, find someone that knows what they're doing first. That was pretty funny. I knew you were getting on this call being like, hey, just real quick, I want to review. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to, this is, so yeah, during that call, you were like, okay, this is a little bit more complicated than I thought. (laughs) It's very much, you know, and that's where I think, you know, I mean, I think that's where people are like, oh, I have MTHFR. Like, it's game over, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, I know. It's quite a bit more complex than that, for sure. Well, uh, and that's why I teamed up with two dietitians to help educate on wh- how to do this, what it means, especially for healthcare providers. Because, and you know, dietitians, we have an opportunity here to really step up and help lead this, the direction that nutrigenomics field is going. But in order to do that, we have to be able to understand it and clinically apply it. And that is exactly why we created the online course. Exactly. That was beautifully stated. I'll share it with all the dietitians I know. Wonderful, wonderful piece there. And I think the other important thing to realize is sometimes I offer when I'm working with someone, I work for them with them for 12 weeks, but I kind of say, hey, I I mention it early on. I put it in their treatment plan. Some people might find genetic testing useful. Um, And I'll mention it throughout throughout their uh, program. You know, I don't have genetics on you, but I, it sounds like you could use this. And so I bring that up because you said it takes six to eight weeks to get that data. And I remember it taking a very, very long time. And so it's a good 
thing to think about if you are curious about it. You know, it's what, $99 to get the data. And of all the testing you can do, this never changes. So even if you don't know what to do with it right away, um, it's no problem to go spit in those saliva tubes um, and go ahead and send that off. You know, for kids, it's kind of interesting. And so this is a totally side note, but you know, you have to spit in several tubes. I want to say three or four tubes for 23andMe. So if you're wanting to do it on your kids, it might not be, depending on how young they are, it might not be like the best fit, but some companies offer swabs. So I guess, you know, it's something to look around about. Uh, you can look around and look at who offers what. And I just asked the companies, do you give the raw data? Um, because not all do. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I think it's awesome to start young when you can and just to have that data because then you can use it for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those gifts that sits on the shelf for a while. But hey, kid, I got yeah, your genetics. Yeah, like- yeah, like not, they're not even interested at age 18, probably, but eventually. Yeah. No. Well, and even parents can use it for decisions on, you know, whether it's a, a vaccination schedule or how they're going to process things like that or medications. Like it's still a, a tool to use for their kids. Right. Yeah. And actually on that note about medications, I would love for this to become more mainstream. I think there's like it's a double edged sword because you could get to where people are just giving folate, like, oh, you have this SNP, like, let me give you some folate. And that could be really bad if you weren't actually checking micronutrient status. Um, But on the same point, I had a client who told me that her doctor swabbed her cheek before giving her an antidepressant. And the doctor said, yeah, you would not do all with these other ones. And she said, yeah, I know. I've been on those. (laughs) And they're terrible. So did they swab the cheek for genetics or that's my understanding. And actually, that just reminds me again that I need to call that doctor's office and talk to them. But I think that's pretty darn cool. That's um, incredible because we know that every medication on the market, need they need to identify what liver detoxification pathway it goes through. And so mm-hmm. if you can look at someone's genetics and say, hey, this doesn't work very well for you, then that helps make a decision on medication. So that is incredible that they're doing that. Yeah. And she has really poor detox capabilities. So she's um, has a history of, you know, having like pathogen overgrowth due to long-term GI issues. And so yeah. when we worked on trying to get rid of that, it went to her brain because it wasn't being processed out or not being eliminated appropriately. Wow. Um, wow. so yeah, it's just really interesting. You know, all the things that have happened in your life are clues. So don't disgu- disregard them. I love when clients tell me, I don't know if this is useful for you, but I've had this going on for this amount of time. I'm like, yeah, no, that's useful. <laughs> yes, you. I love the post-appointment emails of like, I forgot to tell you, and then the bulleted list. I love that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you could leave people with your gut reaction about, you know, how do how cool are genetics? How can, you know, what do you want people, what, what message do you want people to know about genetics? Um, if they said, hey, Robin, um, can you tell me a little bit about genetics? Or like, do you think that's even worth doing? What would your gut reaction be? I would say it's absolutely worth doing. And, you know, as much information as you can gather about your health, then that's how you make decisions and how you reach and keep optimal wellness. And then I always, when it comes to genetics, refer back to the quote, you, these are your tendencies, but not your destiny. So if you want to control your destiny, then that's something that you should look into and use that information. Yeah. If you want to have control of your destiny, then it's best not to put blinders on. Love it. Very good stuff. Okay. So tell us, Robin, where we can find you. You can find the course and a free genetics guide and all of that stuff at nutritionbyrobin.com. And that's Robin with a Y. Yeah. I was just going to say R-O-B-Y-N. I remember when, um, 
our mutual boss first talked about you on social media and I was looking for Robin Johnson. I couldn't <laughs> find her because it was with a Y. So now you guys won't forget, but nutrition by Robin with a Y. Um, so now, you know, excellent Robin. Well, thank you so much for sharing just a tiny uh, toenail bit of your knowledge today. Just a corner. Um, I think it was a really nice primer on what is genetics and started to uh, take off the cover so we can see what was under the hood. Thanks so much, Krista. I love that you're spreading this message. Thanks. As usual, you can find everything you need to know in the show notes below. Links to Robin's channels, to my website, and how to get started looking at genetic information. Talk to you soon. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock.